Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quaid. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. It's already Wednesday, and it's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest with you this morning, and we get to welcome back from his three fearless adventures while he was away. I didn't just have one. No, you had three. Hopefully, you extended been, one adventure. You've been getting good feedback uh, from everyone who was interested in your adventures while you're away. Now, you were actually assigned one thing to do. While you're away, did Uh-oh. you have a chance to to go eat at the place I recommended in Louisville? No, no. Are you kidding me? No. Okay, that's fine. No, absolutely uh, no. Now I did it. Did, I, it crossed my mind, and and our mutual friend who's who's recently moved there, uh, he crossed my mind. Right, and, and, and he would have loved to have seen you. But I I didn't even see almost all of my extended family when I was there on this vacation. So They so, all know what you look like. I, well, yeah, because I was there just a couple of weeks ago, but but no. Much so as like, I love downtown, what are you doing right now? I got a, uh, like some kind of like like a burr Sean is, uh, on the inside seam of my pullover that I'm wearing. Now, I had just, this with me in Columbia when we went down and shot Harmony Benz over the weekend, but I didn't wear it. It didn't leave the car. It was too warm that day, so I don't know how I got a burr. On the inside seam in my arm. Well, burrs happen. I know. Sometimes uh, things can't be explained. Or sabotage. Somebody went with, placed it there. I'm going with sabotage. Knowing that you would put it on eventually and it would bother you because you're like the princess in the pea. You're right. I am. uh, It's not my fault that I was born with heightened sensibilities. It's, I know you're incurably innocent. So that's that's this is just how it works out, <laughs> seemingly every time for me. Speaking of uh, heightened sensibilities, what has the scene been like on some of America's college campuses since the debate on Monday night? Hmm. Our former intern will join us from live from the uh, campus of uh, Illinois University. Coming up here in just about, uh, oh, 10 minutes or so here on the morning meeting. And Dwayne Lester, DwayneLester.com coming up. Not only have we been sitting on this uh, mobile park fight what? that is going on in California, this this mobile home uh, park fight that's been going on in California to talk to Dwayne about it today, but uh, there's also been another hey. issue that has cropped up that I think is going to be an interesting uh, batting it around with Dwayne Lester. Uh, we're familiar now with Colin Kaepernick and the uh, movement that he started protesting the national anthem. Well, you're going to have backlash in this country. You're going to have counter movements and counter pro- people who are protesting your protests. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going on right now. Uh, a restaurant in Virginia Beach uh, has been protesting, Kaepernick's protesting. They ordered some Colin Kaepernick jerseys and have fashioned them into the doormat for the restaurant. Yeah, I heard about this. Yes. So now people are upset because that's racism. 
And they're like, whoa, whoa no, it's not. This is, this is uh, anti-protesting uh, the national anthem protest. Mm-hmm. This isn't, doesn't have anything, have anything to, do. to do with his pigment. Yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with the pigment in his skin. Yeah. Uh, again, if, if there are going to be protests, sometimes you'll see a protest of the protest. But mm-hmm. as soon as you jump to, oh, that's got to be racism. I, the, the, if you want to protest the people who are protesting the protest, then go ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. But to, to just immediately cry racism uh, seems kind of thin. Those who would immediately cry racism, my answer would be, I think, thou doth protest too much. Implying that uh, you think that... Uh, their sauce is weak. Oh, well, That they yeah, can't defend that's... their original protest. To me, it just seems lazy. Like, if you want to defend the original protest, that's fine. Well, let's I... have the conversation. But for you to immediately encounter the first anti anti uh, 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 protest or, or, or the first piece of backlash and go racism no it's not mm. we are and, and I know we've talked about this before but what you're talking about is the lack of think and the growing I, I would say the growing the the reality of everybody just feeling and reacting instead of stopping and thinking about how they're reacting they're just feeling well, and you also have those who have succumbed to the cult of celebrity, where Kaepernick may understand the issue and be able to uh, extol what he is trying to communicate, but those who look at him and go, yeah, I'm going to do that too, they might not have an actual grasp on the issue. And so they're the ones who are like, oh, you, you're protesting his protest, you're racist. No, you just don't understand the context of the issue. You don't have enough of a grasp of what's going on to continue the conversation about the actual issue. You're trying to move it away from the actual issue that's being discussed to a wholly separate issue. Mm. And I think a lot of times it's because of uh, the classical definition of ignorance, just the inability to understand, or they're coming to a conversation in which they don't have a grasp on the point that is being protested, stressed, uh, recognized, however you want to put it, for, for your version of what's going on. So that's what I, I'm, I'm careful for people who are getting swept up in the cult of celebrity and are like, yeah, I'm going I'm to do that too. Do you understand what he's doing? So when I say that, that I disagree, you're going to come with counterpoint of what? Oh, racism. <laughs> well, racism usually ends the conversation. As soon as you make an accusation of race, and that's what it's meant to do. You're right, because as soon as someone brings that up, I now know they're too stupid to continue the conversation, <laughs> and so I break it off. Well, where can you really go from that? But, but here's the point. As soon as the, the accusation is made and the conversation is shut down, they don't view you're moving away from the conversation as you saying, I can't have a conversation with you because you can't back up your end. They take it as, that's right, you know you're a racist and you have to go away. Uh, your stupidity is not my problem. Is in, in That's that not the way they view their side of this. If you mm-hmm. were to, to be in this conversation with somebody, well, that's racist, and you oh, would yeah. just turn and walk away, they'd go, that's right, keep going, racist. <laughs> hey, I'm taking it back. Coming up this morning <laughs> on the morning meeting, Dwayne Lester, DwayneLester.com, and uh, former intern IA joins us next as we look at the collegiate response, especially on a campus that's been in turmoil after a shooting. Did the Trump plea for law and order make an impact, or is it still a very liberal millennial culture? We'll talk about all those things coming up next on the morning meeting. 
Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Mark Levin, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. I don't know if this is what it sound like when President Bush was reading to the kindergarten class and he got word no. on 9-11. No. Or, or what? No. All right. We'll save that for, for a later date. I was saving this, this was, was for you. This wasn't for the for, for everybody. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll, I thought we'll you might find this that. interesting. We have to have our, our – you've been away on three different adventures. We haven't had a post-show breakdown meeting in quite a while, so we'll get to that. Uh, coming up later today. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Sacre, Squade with you this morning. Dwayne Lester, DwayneLester.com still to come. But we have a chance to welcome back to the show someone who uh, was immensely popular with her contributions during her internship over the summer. And we're glad she could still make a contribution to the show as time allows. It's uh, IA, Intern Addie, joining us from the campus of the University of Illinois in Champaign. Addie, good morning and welcome back to the show. Hey, how are you? Good, good to be back. <laughs> Well, we're glad to have you at least for a few minutes here this morning. Yeah. After the debate on Monday night, I reached out to you to see if you'd like to talk about how it was received amongst millennials and college-age kids, especially those who are on campus. And excuse my use of the word kids. That just slipped out. I meant young adults, <laughs> of course. Um, I forgive you. It, at Illinois, there are a few different tensions at play, so I think this will be very interesting. Of course, there was the shooting on campus. Uh, you also have uh, a very uh, liberal young adult core on college campuses across the country. So with those two tensions, uh, what what reaction have you seen to the debate on Monday night? Uh, has it surprised you in any way uh, due to recent events there on campus? Um, the reactions I kind of got from a lot of people on campus really didn't surprise me. Um, there was a lot of interest to definitely watch the debate, which I was excited for. I don't think individual students are necessarily excited about this election and the options that um, they have, uh, but it was still good to see that there was an excitement to actually watch and try to learn um, about it. But overall, I think the general um, feelings were just disappointment um, with the performances of both. I got a lot of responses about um, Trump wasn't presidential enough. He couldn't control himself, but then Hillary was too rigid. I don't know. Just seemed like a lot of the same things that um, we hear about and have heard about this whole election season and definitely the disappointment with the recent shootings and then um, the debate was disappointing. It just seemed like a downer of a of an evening Monday night, but I found it interesting that there were so many people who were interested too. Um, listen, I don't think it changed anybody's opinions on campus. I think everyone's pretty set with who um, they want, but definitely um, not not too excited about this year's election. Internetty, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Uh, young voters are this great unknown uh, right mm -hmm. now to 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 the media and pollsters. 
Uh, you mentioned that nobody was really swayed in one direction or the other. Was there a desire to be swayed? Were they looking for someone to get excited about before the debate? I don't know. I feel like there were a lot of people who wanted clearer answers, and they didn't get that. Um, definitely everyone I talked to um, said they would be voting for Hillary. Um, I got a couple of um who were interested in the Trump idea, but were definitely hesitant to say it. And I think that says a lot about the um, kind of the ideas on campus and the um, view of college students who support Trump. And if they feel like they're able to kind of express that support, even amongst a very um, more liberal leaning campus. And so I think that says a lot. And definitely there's a lot of Hillary supporters, but um, I, it was interesting. Again, we talked a lot about where those Bernie supporters going to go this summer. We had talked about that, and they all went Hillary from the ones I talked to uh, the past days after the post-debate. And uh, so that was interesting to see as well. Addie, you actually brought up the next topic that I wanted to talk about, which is where did those Bernie supporters go? You mentioned mm-hmm. that they went with Hillary. Were they swayed by Bernie Sanders coming out and, and making his plea that this election is not the time for a protest vote? He came out, he sort of ate his hat, decided to go with the party line, endorsed Hillary, and to me, when he said this is not the time for a protest vote, he was speaking to everyone who was feeling the burn and was dissatisfied with Hillary. You're telling us that that everyone who was feeling the burn before is now going to, to sort of swallow that, uh, scratch that itch, and, and, and vote for Hillary. Yeah, at least the people I've spoken to and um, the people I've been around since being back at school, they I don't even know if they considered Trump as an option, that they had just seen him as too too far right for anything they want to see in the White House. So I think their immediate um, first best choice was Hillary. And again, they said a lot about choosing between the lesser of the two evils and what I want to cast a vote that I'm not super excited about. But ultimately, um, they went towards towards Hillary's side of the, the aisle. So you mentioned that uh, the so the Bernie voters, you know, uh, said, OK, fine, I can I can get in behind Hillary. Uh, was there any mention third of third party candidates, uh, Jill Stein and Gary Johnson, even though they weren't in the debate? Yeah, there were there were about a handful of people um, that had been in the third party of uh, one particular individual. I thought it was interesting. She said she was thinking about um, voting third party, but then she felt like that would just be supporting, indirectly supporting Trump and that it would help him out in the long run um, and she would prefer to help Hillary out before Trump. So, um, but there were a couple that um, decided they would still go third party and they just didn't feel confident enough in either Trump or Hillary to vote for him or either of them, I mean, so. Intern Addy, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Uh, Addy, Trump's call for law and order was largely targeted at communities which have seen a rise in crime, especially violent crime across the country. As far as college campuses go, Illinois has been marred by violent crime. Were people more receptive to the idea of law and order after that tragedy, or is that something that everyone still feels is anathema to the college experience, that it should still be sort of absolute freedom, even if you have some chaos running amok? No, definitely. I think it did open a lot of college students' eyes um, to how um, close it can hit to home, even when you don't think it's going to. And 
you know, it could have been a lot worse of a situation here this weekend. Unfortunately, there was only um, one person that passed passed away. It's unfortunate that there was one person. But I think that definitely um, opened people's ears and eyes um, Monday night when talking about the idea of law and order and that something needs to be done because what's going on right now isn't isn't helping. And um, it's easy for college students to get caught up in a bubble and think, Nothing bad could ever happen, but it's a it's an issue that college students need to be informed on and need to take the time to think about, definitely. So were there viewing parties? I mean, did you watch this with a roommate or sorority sisters? This or- is something that, yeah, I wanted to ask about was what, what, what was the main viewing option? Was it traditional TV? Was it YouTube? Was it Was it live streaming? How were people taking in the debate? Um, yeah, definitely a lot of viewing parties. I actually watched it. I'm living in the sorority house, so I watched it um, on TV with about a group of 10 or 15 other people, Um, and then I finished up watching it um, live streamed through Twitter because I had to go to a meeting, But um, which I think is also very interesting that that was an option, um, live streaming it on Twitter, and definitely says a lot about reaching those millennials that don't have cable at home and that um, are still interested in learning about the debate. There was a feeling that this was going to be a zeitgeist moment, not only for the election, but for the country. With this era of uh, fractured listening and viewing options, uh, we don't really have these communal experiences as much anymore. That's why Mm -hmm. the Super Bowl charges so much for ads. Uh, Was there a sense among millennials that this was unusual, that 100 million people were tuning in to watch the same thing at the same time and have the same sort of uh, visceral experience? You know, I was I was surprised at how interested people were to watch it. I was expecting a lot of people just blow it off, and um, I feel like our generation doesn't necessarily always have an interest to, like you said, have that just sit down. A group of people watches the same thing at the same time, and I did see a lot more of that than what I was expecting. So I think that's a positive that did come out of this. That there kind of shows there is a desire to be engaged um, and. Whether they take anything out of the debate or not is up to up to opinion. But I think that is interesting that um, even college students are sitting around with other people and watching the same thing for, for the same reasons. Is there any indication that this was a one-off moment or will interest continue in these next days leading up to the next debate at WashU uh, a week from Sunday? Um, when I went out and talked to people after you had asked if I wanted to do the interview, I also asked, um, do they plan to watch the next debate? And I think some of them were like, oh, there's a next debate? So I think that says a little bit about Mm. um, this is maybe the big show, maybe they'll watch the two coming up, but uh, I I can kind of see it being a short-lived thing, but I hope that um, people continue to stay informed and continue to ask, ask the real questions that matter. I think sometimes I get frustrated that we focus on the things we that aren't that aren't mattering and there's real issues that need to be discussed um, real issues about Hillary that I wish were discussed more and so I think that I I hope that um, students continue to think about that um, as November approaches yeah so even though you say people weren't really jazzed by Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton are they still planning on going to vote um yeah I definitely asked um, that that question to everyone I talk to, and uh, I think I think there's going to still be a lot of people who vote. 
Um, I don't think they're going to be excited about their vote by any means, but I think there's going to be a good turnout. Um, I, I hope at least. Um, I was surprised at how many people said they would continue to still vote, even though um, their preferred candidate wasn't still in. Our intern, Annie, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Before we let you go, we're right around midterms, I believe. Uh, what what grade yep. are you achieving in your political science class, and is your opinion really worth anything to us at this point? <laughs> hey, I, I feel like I'm doing okay. I just uh, passed a history of American journalism class, so or midterms, so that, that's a good thing. I've got something going for me. Um, everything else is going pretty well, I hope. So you haven't gotten into any visceral debates with professors? Some sometimes I have to hold myself back a little bit. <laughs> uh, I I think to myself what would I say on the morning meeting, and then I try not to say it. So <laughs> you, wait a minute, uh, no, wait a minute. No, you, I'm kidding. Okay, I was going to say if <laughs> if your opinion is being uh, suppressed, I mean that's a bigger story. As uh, you're not only uh, paid tuition, of course, to go there, but you're looking for an education, not just indoctrination. Yes, well, that's very true. It's it's easy to as a um, def- definitely have a minority opinion. It's easy not to look at the same thing, but I think it's also good to say things, and uh, even even if it's not popular opinion here. All right, under undercover conservative agents on the campus <laughs> at University of Illinois intern Addie. We appreciate your input this morning. I wonder yeah. if that. I'm now I'm wondering if that helps or hurts your social life. Well, I'll let you know. I'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Our intern, right. Addie, uh, on location uh, at the Champaign campus for the University of Illinois. Thank you so much for the time. Now get back to class, all right? No problem. Good talking to you. We'll talk uh, to you again when we get the opportunity. Dwayne Lester, DwayneLester.com, our guest next as we continue this morning on The Morning Meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. Morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid, Dwayne Lester. Hmm? DwayneLester.com yeah. has disappeared. I think I know. From meat space. What? Meat <laughs> space. That's what they call the physical reality. Meat. We're, oh. we're meat. This oh. is our. And then you have the digital realm. The tangible realm online. versus the digital realm. You're telling me you can't touch electricity? Well, I don't like it when I touch electricity, <laughs> to put it that way. So Dwayne Lester uh, appeared in unscheduled away from the show this morning. Um, He's scheduled in a way from everybody, and that's why I thought it was a really cool get for you to have him. Uh, I believe he's doing family vacation time right now. So when you, you, you mentioned yesterday that he was going to be on, I thought, well, cool. That'll be, that'll be a great you know, that he, he's carved out because he spends so much time on the road that, you know, getting some time mm-hmm. with Dwayne while he's, you know, doing Producer the, Josh, the big I've, picture family thing. I've been given the OK. Go ahead and call Dwayne. All right. He has just he's apparently standing on George Washington's nose on Mount Rushmore I, yeah. in order to get coverage. <laughs> he is in in some 
far off places. Mm-hmm. Uh, today. And by the way, I, I will send him behind uh, the the mythical head. That is not just not just a Hollywood fallacy that there is in fact a uh, document archive uh, behind the uh, Mount Rushmore. You're talking statues. about. Uh, I, I saw National Treasure too. Mm-hmm. That's that. Well, that's been the the one that's kind of talked about it the most. But some people think that oh, that's just a Hollywood creation. No, that's actually a real place. So when you, but they don't let you go back there. When you go to visit Mount Rushmore, well, maybe not you. They, there's like a there's a door that says you know employees only or something like that. Restricted area, essentially, yes. Or, yes. or is there like a secret Private. entrance that, <laughs> that, that that there isn't even any, you know, there isn't you even to, any signage. You have to pour the water on the rock to reveal the eagle. Yes, something like that. Yeah, you know, that the invisible cool. swordsman. Yes. The singing bush. We'll see if uh, if we can't raise him. Uh, out of this. You know and, what? Uh, Dwayne Lester would appreciate the invisible swordsman in the singing bush to find out where to go to find the the secret compartment that, that holds documents oh, absolutely. behind George Washington's eyeball. Mm-hmm. He would appreciate that, mm-hmm. I, I think, to some great... In fact, he might use it on his children if I, if I, <laughs> if I know him well enough. He would be like, come on, kids, we've got to find the invisible swordsman. Uh, you know what, producer Josh? I'm just going to go ahead and cancel this. You're having trouble hooking unless you've got him right now. No, you don't. Okay. Uh, let's see. Having it's amazing that you can connect with him cell phone to cell phone, Sean, but that a landline to his cell phone isn't getting it done. I think that's that. Uh, is this the digital world not being able to touch the tangible world? <laughs> I think, well, see, you're using so much less bandwidth when you're just sending a text. Because I'm not sending him pictures. Right. Or emoticons. But uh, we're not having him on. You know, he's not Skyping in. Right. But you still need a little bit more bandwidth in order to receive that call. So uh, I, I just, I told him, you know what, we'll go ahead and let you off the leash. I would say you, you, you seem to have stuff that you want to get to anyway. Oh, we've got a bunch of stuff that, that we need to do. So this was kind of like an added bonus. We already have... The cheesecake. He would have been the shaved chocolate on top of the cheesecake oh. uh, for for this portion of it. Uh, I I know how you like to to mm. dessert, so yes. I just thought about that with you. This is the story that we've been uh, holding on to uh, since the end of last week to talk with Dwayne, and I, I want to get to this now because it demonstrates so much of the problem that we have. I'm not talking about philosophy of government now. I'm talking about bureaucracy, uh, overreach of powers, and so forth. Uh, In the heart of Silicon Valley, there is a turf war going on between a property rights group and government officials. Government officials in Palo Alto are trying to use eminent domain not not to seize property for the city, but to prevent the longtime owner of a mobile home park from improving his property. Uh, why wouldn't the government want the property improved? Improved, right? Because hey. once you have an improved property, you have improved taxing. Dwayne would say it's none of their business anyway. Well, and that's really what we're getting down to is it is none of their business what you do with your private property. And you would think, right, they'd be all for it because improved property means improved tax flow. Yeah, big from picture. said property. Hey, Uncle Sam, big picture here. Yeah, you say you're for something, and now you're not. The city has been convinced 
by the residents of the mobile home park uh, who are there on on leases and rentals and so forth that they ain't got nowhere to go. I see. So if the improvements increase the value, then they believe rent will be increased and they they will be forced out. The owner wants to go from mobile home park to uh, townhouse development. Quite the leap. Yes. And if you've ever played Monopoly, this is where you win the game. Now, you go from one house on your property sure. to hotel. Sure. Uh, h- however, I would tell you, and I understand there's a position to say, look, these people aren't going to be able to afford to live in these townhouses. Mm-hmm. Where are they going to be able to go? And that's where you're going is that they don't have any place to go. However, I will tell you. Here's my response to that. Not my problem. Well, it isn't your in a free, if I'm free the property society, owner, and it's your. It isn't your problem. Ain't my problem. But I'm. But I'm telling you that there's an opportunity here for another property owner to step in and open a place if they happen to have land and open up a new place and say, mm-hmm. "Welcome, you can come and rent space on my land, and you will move the park here." I I don't know how far away it would have to be, but I'm sure there are other property owners. Within a few miles, mm-hmm. who who might be able to see the business opportunity here, and take advantage of it. Yeah, this kind of reminds me. A few years ago, there was a terrible rom com called The Sliding Doors. I think essentially what the premise of it was was when one door closes, another one opens. Mm. So it, that's the old euphemism for opportunity. Sure, right? You missed out on this one, then you get another one uh, that's presented to you. To me, that's all this is about. And the fact that you have government stepping in to tell someone whose private property, who was owned, zoned correctly, this isn't even a a, a fight for for rezoning or anything like that, that they're not going to be allowed to improve their private property because it would inconvenience people who are already there. This, to me, is, is beyond the pale. Uh, because this is uh, the li- liber- the liberal republic of California, uh, the court took this uh, took this issue up and proposed this outcome that the owner of the property would have to pay for the relocation of all of the tenants in the mobile home park. What level? Uh, court did that did that judgment come down in let's see oh you would ask something like that that's <laughs> just you know not even important well I'm ju- I just is it can't can the decision be appealed up uh this was I'm going to guess it was at the county level because it said okay. city and county officials okay uh petitioned the local housing authority which then took it uh, to a judge. So okay. I'm going to guess by that language that it was the county level. So sure, there are plenty of courts right. that you could appeal this We to. are at the beginning of the process. Of this process, uh, uh, of this argument about uh, private property freedom uh, right now. And, and, and in all honesty, this isn't a new situation. What's new is that the government, the federal government, has inserted itself into it. That's mm-hmm. the that's the new part. Yes, uh, the the spokesman uh, Catherine Haraz, executive mm. director of the Santa Clara County Housing Authority, says eminent domain is an elegant solution here. It acknowledges the owner's right to compensation, but they should sell their private property to the city slash county in order to ensure continued housing opportunity 
for those residents. So now, government, because you wanted to improve your property and those who were there might be inconvenienced by it, is telling you, you know what, you should turn over your private property to us and we'll run it as a government facility. It, it essentially, what they're saying is sell your property to us so then it mm-hmm. becomes de facto government housing. Yes. It becomes a government housing exactly trailer what they park. Want to do. Uh, and and uh, that's a very interesting. Uh, at, at some point in time, because this is California, I'm going to bet that somebody proposes <laughs> that the state or some government body use taxpayer money to pay this landowner off. Say, the landowner off. They're going to say, how much are you, are you, are you, do you think you're going to make by putting townhouses in? And they're going to go, I tell you what, we'll, we'll give you X percent of that in taxpayer money to, to offset if you go ahead and, and keep it. I'm, I'm telling it's you. It's private property. I'm going to have 100% I understand. plus the inconvenience of not owning property. So you're going to have to pay me 120% of the value. A- and you're, you're more than welcome to approach it from that. But I'm telling you, it's California. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind. It is. And somebody is going to offer tax dollars oh, yeah. in exchange. They don't have any, but they'll offer Well, no, them. they don't have any. It's, they might offer him tax credits. It's a big stack of IOU. The, the, the court told him... This was the decision that the court came up with. Again, this is a private property owner uh, who wants to improve his property from trailer park to townhouse development and has been uh, fought at every step of the way, tooth and nail, by government officials because he would inconvenience uh, those people who are trailer park residents on his property. Now, he's not talking about throwing people out. He's talking about when their, their lease terms and so forth come up, just not renewing them, and they'd have to move. Mm-hmm. The court told him that uh, in order to close the park, he'd have to pay the tenant's moving costs at $8 million. Woo! $8 million. It's quite the move. To move 400 people. That is... Uh... I mean, you're talking What's the about, breakdown there, man? I'm thinking movers in Palo Alto make about 100 bucks an hour I mean, at that point. I mean, it sounds about right. I mean, rent out there is like, what, 3000 A on gazillion average? dollars. Yeah. Which is why he wants to build townhouses yeah. on his property. Palo Alto, this this is in a, in a very high-rent high rent oh, district. Yeah. And because I watched Silicon Valley, I learned uh, through Jin Yang that uh, in California, you can live, essentially squatter's rights, rent-free for a year. So all four four hundred of them could just mm-hmm. kind of say we're not going anywhere, as the legal process plays out. And this one looks like it will take longer. How is there anything in the story about them deciding that they're not going to pay rent moving forward? No, no one has brought that up. Okay, at or, this, or uh, lot lot fees. Yeah, or or lot fees. No one has brought up uh, trying to fight this on the fiscal front. Uh, the property owner's attorney, I thought, made a great statement is that if the government can use eminent domain to block your development plans on private property, then no property owner truly has dominion over the property that they own. True. It's uh, it's like uh, Bugs Bunny and Hassan Chop. You would like this? Allow me. <laughs> Flippity-flabbly-floop. We'll, fl- we'll flip on to the next moment here on the morning meeting. And we'll get animated about <laughs> the response to Governor Rauner's plans to help turn around the woeful 
state of the state of Illinois. Who is anti that and what are their motivations? We'll cover that next on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Is that where you were for the call-in yesterday on the show? Yes. Was there an uh, older gentleman with a 28-inch waist and a pistol just stuck in his waistband? There was a bunch of them. Okay, that's right. You were in Kentucky. No, I was in Indiana. Oh, so, you had crossed the Indiana. border into yes. southern That's Kentucky. I crossed the I Don't tell that to the southern Indianans. They are not Kentucky. They are Indiana. If you're south of Evansville. Well, it wasn't south. It was north of Evansville. Okay, I was going to say, if you're south of Evansville, that's Kentucky. No, you're south of Evansville. That I, is Kentucky because I Evansville's won't listen on the to any, any arguments. I was north of Evansville. All right, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, things going on uh, in Illinois. Not uh, not quite as good off as Indiana is here in Illinois. Uh, but the governor has been uh, trying to turn that around. He has, he being Governor Bruce Rauner in this case, has articulated his vision during his campaign for governor and then was elected to execute that vision. One of those includes bringing back into fiscal reality the labor contracts that the state is involved with in the public sector. The most onerous and notorious of these, as the state has renegotiated with uh, several uh, labor groups leading up to this point, but AFSCME continues to pursue the same unrealistic uh, bargaining avenue. They, they, I, I think they've sort of shared notes with Chicago Teachers Union at this point because they both, in my mind, overestimated their value to the state for what they do and, mm. and, and how much money the state has to pay for any job, even if it's a job well done. The state just doesn't have the money to pay for it. Right. So when you sit when you look at it, look at it from a completely non-political perspective, a financial perspective. The state has $100. You want to do this job but want to be paid $120 to do it. They're not prosecuting you. It is not a witch hunt if you won't say, "Okay, I'll do it for the $100 the state has." You know, I got to have $120 and if you don't come up with that, then you're anti-union. Well, no, we're anti-deficit spending Mm -hmm. is what it boils down to. Uh, Producer Josh, MM23, this is the new Ask Me TV ad. What they did was they had a whole bunch of the public sector union members tell the story of how important their job is in order to keep the state of Illinois running, and then they cut it all up so that it would have the maximum emotional impact uh, and, and override your brain saying, we just can't afford this no matter what it is. Hit us. Governor Rauner is so far disconnected from how real people live. I help the disabled. I'm a child protection investigator. State workers. Make a difference in the lives of the people of this state. To me, to me, to me, it's not just a job. It's a calling. We've always been willing to do our part. The governor refuses to negotiate. He gets up and walks away whenever he doesn't get his way. He's trying to take away our voice. We want to be treated fairly. We, we, we just want to do our jobs. If it's a calling, 
then it's important to you no matter how you are remunerated for your efforts. Go ask a nun. Go ask a priest. Uh, Go ask an elementary school teacher. Oh, maybe that's a bad example. Mm. One outside the Chicago district. A, a, well, uh, no, ask ask elementary or, or high school teachers who teach at, at private schools. Ask a broadcaster. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When, it's, when it is important to you, it is important for reasons beyond the fiscal remuneration that you get for participating in said adventure in life. I'm not downgrading any of those jobs that are done in the state. Most of them are valuable to the state in one aspect or another. Mm -hmm. But just because that role has value in society doesn't mean that the taxpayer should be broken in order to pay for your ongoing perks. It doesn't mean the state should continue to go further and further in the debt to pay for an unrealistic compensation package that the state cannot afford. If you truly believe that your chosen participatory role in life is important, then it's important no matter what you get paid. And I'm not advocating for minimum wage. But a realistic understanding of what the finances of the state of Illinois are is incumbent upon both rank and file and leadership. And if leadership isn't there, it comes to rank and file to shake the tree and understand that. You should also uh, take into account the realities, the fiscal realities within the state at the current time, mm-hmm. and go measure what other states are paying for those services, mm-hmm. and maybe approach it with a little, I don't know, freedom involved. Say in Missouri, they pay more for for public servants to do to do that job. Maybe they pay more in Iowa. You know, maybe they can negotiate up for you. You have the freedom. To do that, I'm sick and tired of every time it's time to bargain, it's union busting. It's a negotiation, and it's not union busting. It is sticking up for the taxpayers in the state of Illinois who are made to foot an outrageous tax bill in order to support an outrageous number of government entities, an outrageous growth rate in the public sector union expansionists mindset i mean they metastasize faster than cancer and take areas over and it's good it would it's even harder to cut them out at that point point. and yes i'm for unions in the private sector allowing people to organize in order to negotiate against the hand that feeds them when that feed comes from the government forcibly taking other people's money and forced redistribution through taxes now you're talking about something that is an entirely different ballgame And this painting of the governor as if he were a spoiled child, he was elected because of a platform that said, I'm going to do these things to fiscally right-size the state. You're essentially telling everyone else, the majority who voted to elect the governor, that they're the ones who are out to get you. Be careful with your messaging. That's going to do it for us. More morning meeting coming up tomorrow right here on WTAD. Morning meeting adjourned. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.